Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our study of Matthew chapter 21, and we're picking up where we left off yesterday. But real quick, before we get into the content for today, I just want to update you that the Hearing Jesus podcast has now sponsored 19 kids. And if you've missed it, one of the things that we're doing before the end of the year is we set this goal to sponsor 30 kids with Compassion International. Compassion is an orphan care organization that works with children all across the globe. And if you're not familiar, we're actually going to be doing a Q&A episode next month so you can learn all about Compassion. But the tide of the show is actually going towards Compassion because it's an organization I just wholeheartedly believe in. So as you are thinking about your end of the year giving or the season of generosity or teaching your kids what it looks like to live and be faithful stewards of God's money, I just want to encourage you that if you go to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, you can pick out a child that maybe has the same birthday as your child or is the same age. And that's one of the ways that we can together as the body of Christ exercise our faith that we're learning all about on the show. Also, if you would still like a copy of my Bible study and you haven't gotten one yet, Compassion is actually sending out a copy of She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus, to everyone that sponsors a child. So I just want to let you know about that and just thank you from the bottom of my heart for the 19 kids that are already sponsored. So I'm picking up in verse 23, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. It says, when he entered the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But Jesus responded and said to them, I will also ask you one question, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source, from heaven or from men? And they began considering the implications among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, we do not know. He also said to them, neither am I telling you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. But he replied, I do not want to. Yet afterward, he regretted it and went. And the man came to his second son and said to the same thing. And he replied, I will, sir. And yet he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even have second thoughts afterward so as to believe him. 
So today's scene picks up after the infamous temple scene, which if you didn't study that portion with us yesterday, I'd encourage you to go back and start there. But that temple scene has happened. Jesus has healed the blind and the lame in the temple. He has done this countercultural thing to stand up to the leadership and to make some of the things right that were going on in the temple. And so now what we see is Jesus enter into this series of interactions with the religious leaders of the time. And they are questioning his authority. And in response to that, he gives three extended parables that reveal God's judgment on them for not fulfilling their responsibility among God's people to respond to this invitation to the kingdom of God. And then there is a series of interactions with the religious leaders as they are trying to trap him. And then he turns the tables and reveals his true identity as the son of God. So that's the beginning of all of this that we're seeing here. And so I think it's important to point out about who we're talking about here. These teachers in Jerusalem were the Sadducees, and the teachers in Jerusalem often would lecture or give these messages in the temple courts. And so people that were publicly dishonored would come seeking to kind of recoup their honor, and they would do that by publicly challenging their opponent. So the conflicts with the authorities that we see in these next several chapters are a reflection of these standard practices or methods of debate in the antique world. And so the questions and answers, the witty responses, the answering a question with a question, an attempt to trap the opponents, those are all part of this normal kind of dialogue that you would see in the ancient world. The temple courts, which was the most public venue of the city, that was a popular place where these kinds of teaching and discussions would happen. And so the religious leaders are questioning the authority of Jesus to do these things because they're seeing him cleanse the temple the day before and questioning his authority to heal in the temple. And he's preaching and teaching in the temple. And after all, Jesus was not official priest or he wasn't even a scribe. He didn't have that official authority. So they are questioning, how are you doing all this? By what authority are you doing all this? And we see Jesus reply to their question with a question. Again, a really common way that the Jewish people would engage in debate. So these chief priests, they were mostly Sadducees, which they were basically kind of like politicians. Now, they were powerless, which is different than the Pharisees, because the Pharisees, they had to balance the interests of both their people and the Roman authorities. The Sadducees were more politicians in the sense of they had to be careful of the people. They had to make sure that their decisions wouldn't displease the people because then you would have a riot on your hands. So they walked this fine line between what they felt was the truth and what they felt was right and the law, but then also balancing with what they thought the public's reaction would be. And so Jesus counters their question by asking these religious leaders to think about John the Baptist. And he's asking, did he have divine authority or did he have human authority? And so he's shifting this questioning back to the religious leaders and he's laying basically a logical trap for them because they can't alienate people by saying that John was not from God because he was highly popular with the Jewish people. But they can't endorse what they say is the prophet or Jesus because he had just condemned them for not repenting. So either way, no matter what decision they made, they were basically going to condemn themselves. And then Jesus goes on and he talks about this father and son parable. And so this idea of a father and a son going to work in this vineyard, that was a natural progression of events. That's something natural that would have happened in that culture. But if a son refused to go, that would have been highly offensive to the moral standards of the Jewish culture. 
And so we see this openly disobedient son and the disobedience is a punishable offense. But failing to go after you promised to go was worse than not having promised and then going. And so the son violated his word to his own father. But the son who refused to go but then repented and then went, that's the one that truly did right according to this Jewish custom. And so it's interesting because he's making this comparison, Jesus is making this comparison to the prostitutes and the tax collectors, because according to religious law, the prostitutes and the tax collectors were outsiders. They were not practicing Judaism and they started off in sin, but then they turn and they repent and they follow Jesus. Now, in contrast, the religious leaders at the time, they seemed to be pious. They seemed to be religious, but they did not follow Jesus. And so the fact that Jesus is comparing these religious leaders, these Sadducees to tax collectors and prostitutes, he could not have chosen a more offensive comparison. And, you know, I can't help but think about all the years I served as an outreach pastor and You know, it was funny because we would do this outreach ministry. I've talked about it on the show before where we would go into the community and the same program I did on Sunday morning with all the kids, we would do that in the low income housing projects across town. And we had people that literally considered that their church. So not only was it a children's program, it was the gospel. You know, the gospel is meant for everybody. And so the parents would sometimes come and they would listen to the message that we had. And because it was taught in a way that children could understand, people that were new to the gospel could understand it as well. And also a lot of times in some of those communities, we would have people that were in their addiction or maybe they are even, you know, actively using drugs or alcohol. And so it was a way to speak the gospel to people that otherwise would not go to church or would not feel welcome in church. And we live in a somewhat rural area. And one of these neighborhoods was actually in a trailer park. And next to the trailer park was this huge field. And there was a guy that would use his lawnmower, his John Deere tractor, and he would be mowing. I think he was a maintenance worker or something, but he would stop every Thursday. He would come over at four o'clock and he would park his tractor and he didn't have a shirt on. He would be smoking and he would sit at the back and he would listen to what we would have to say. And you know, what I observed over time with him is that he got the gospel message. He understood the gospel message. And from the point of salvation to the time that we stopped doing that ministry, we saw this natural progression of spiritual maturity in him. Now, was he cleaned up? No. Did he ever come to the church? No. Did he act like somebody that had been in the church his whole life? No. But he got the heart of the gospel message, more so than the people that were upset when I brought these kids in off the street and fed them. You know, I had one lady, we would give them Pop-Tarts for breakfast because it was something easy they could eat on the bus or whatever. I had one lady that would break a Pop-Tart in half and only allow the children to have half a Pop-Tart. And I, I just remember thinking like, why in the world, these are donated Pop-Tarts, why in the world would you not give this to them? And she's like, well, they don't necessarily need all of that. And I remember just taking this and giving this kid a whole box of Pop-Tarts after that happened. And I had to have this discussion with her about generosity and what the gospel meant and how hungry bellies can't necessarily hear the words of the gospel if their bellies are grumbling louder than what's going in their ears. And I remember just thinking about this deep contrast with, with people 
that had been Christians their entire lives, but had a hard time grasping what the true heart of this gospel message. And then yet I would have this gentleman that who would come and this was his church and he wouldn't even wear a shirt. Sometimes he didn't even have shoes on, but he understood that gospel message. And he was so generous to the kids that lived in that community and the spiritual growth we saw in him. And that's what I think about. I think about the prostitutes and the tax collectors in contrast to the religious leaders. And I think my prayer is, God, I'm going to be one of the ones that gets it. Even if I start off in sin and then I repent and I recognize like, okay, this is what it's all about. I would much rather be that person than the person that thinks they have it all figured out and never truly grasp the gospel message. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and we're going to reread starting at verse 23. It says, when he entered the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But Jesus responded and said to them, I will also ask you one question, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source, from heaven or from men? And they began considering the implications among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, we do not know. He also said to them, neither am I telling you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. But he replied, I don't want to. Yet afterward, he regretted it and went. And then the man came to his second son and said the same thing. And he replied, I will, sir. And yet he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even have second thoughts afterward so as to believe him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way that you explain your word through Jesus and you reveal your heart for us, for others, for the way that you are a God that offers repentance and healing through this gospel message. God, I pray that our hearts would not be hardened like these religious leaders, that we wouldn't be worried about the crowd, but that we would understand this gospel message and the heart of what you're trying to say. Father God, break our hearts for the things that break yours. God, help us to recognize the way that you are at work in our lives around us. God, I pray even right now for a blessing over my friend that's listening today, that they would know how incredibly much they are loved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.